well, on the long term, I think, you know, uh, Web3 is a fundamental technology shift that all things may one day transition into Web3. But in the short term, we have to be very strategic about, hey, is Web3 really uh, the right solution to solve this particular problem at this particular time for this particular group of people? Hey everybody, Tanner here with Wagme Ventures. On today's episode, we have Ben Su, co-founder and COO at Capita. For anyone who's new, this is the Wagme Ventures podcast, where we do snapshots with interesting founders from across Web3. Check out wagmeventures.io to learn more about the syndicate behind the podcast. But for now, let's get into it. Ben from Capita. Hey, everybody. I'm here today with Ben Su, co-founder and COO at Capita. Ben, it's great to have you on the show today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, doing great. I know we have a lot to talk about and Capita is super cool. So I'm excited to dig in more. So here at the start, why don't you just tell us a quick little bit about yourself, kind of by way of introduction, just what have you been up to and what's brought you to building Capita? Yeah, sounds good. So I do have a STEM background and I went to law school. I practiced corporate law. In 2021, I was kind of like tired as working as a lawyer. So I ran up my old law school buddy, Nick, my co-founder now, and also my Web3 engineer friend, Aaron. We started Capita. I think like the founding story was that at the time, we wanted to start a litigation financing DAO, right? So in 2021, the macro environment was super friendly for capital formation. You had the constitution DAO rising to the fame. And at the time, being lawyers, we know that money was being weaponized in the legal justice system. So what that means is that if you have more money than the other guy, chances are you can leverage some of the inefficiencies in the legal system to essentially get whatever you wanted, right? So you you can pay for better lawyers, you can prolong the trial process. So that was what litigation financing about. We wanted to raise the litigation financing down and invest in legal cases. I'll give an example, right? So the whole opioid crisis, if you funded the patient lawsuit against, say, Purdue Pharma, that would have generated a super well return for the investors. So as lawyers, we definitely saw that, hey, you know, the whole capital formation governance, essentially launching an investment entity could be a really good way not to not just making money for the investors, but also evening the playing field and democratizing capital access for those people who need it. And certainly empowering access to justice was one of them. So when we were trying to launch this litigation financing DAO, we shopped around for a lot of solutions that exist at the time. So Dow House, Aragon. And we realized that in order to build the type of governance that would be suitable for our investment Dow, there was nothing that we could have used. So we got together and we said, hey, you know, in order to make this a reality, we have to build the infrastructure. And yeah, so that was basically the founding story of Capita. And we're able to get some supports from our investors, you know, Hyperplane, LP, shout out to them. They're based in Boston to need our pre-seed round and we've been building since. 
Love it. Super interesting. Okay. So that was a lot of great context. Would you mind sharing kind of what Capita is building and what Capita is all about for anyone who's not familiar yet? Absolutely. So in the simplest term, what we're building is a smart contract operating system powered by Ethereum to automate the investment operations for funds, syndicates, and DAOs. Got it. Yeah, that's great. So with some of this infrastructure, you know, as you think about what unlocks you hope to accomplish. If this continues to progress well, what's different in the world? What impact has been made on the space? You already shared a little bit of context about how the infrastructure is missing. And so even just having it is an impact. But I'm curious, you know, second order effects, what are you hoping users or the various participants get out of and create with this? Yeah, absolutely. So I kind of want to start from like a 30,000 foot overview of where I think Web3 would impact the civilization as we know it. I feel, you know, just having that legal background, I can tell you about, you know, a lot of the world, especially in the financial industry, is basically operating on paper-based or PDF-based legal contracts, right? So these legal contracts form the basis of any type of transaction that you can imagine of, whether if it's buying or selling securities, forming capital, governing a capital, getting limited partnership agreements together to operate a fund. So currently, we're relying on the whole, what we call in legal terms, retroactive enforcement. Meaning, if you and I, we start a fund, and I'm acting in violation against our operating agreement, your option in enforcing your rights protected under the agreement would be to you know, bring me to court, get the lawyers, get the judges involved. So that's retroactive enforcement. But where I see one of the biggest value proposition for blockchain is that we can prevent all of that through a mechanism that we call proactive enforcement, meaning there's no way for me to act in violation of the operating agreement that we have in the fund that you and I just started. So why would the world want that? <laughs> so as a lawyer, I have the firsthand experience in this is that if you look at any type of transaction agreement in terms of raising a private equity fund or starting a company, the material terms outlining what you're supposed to do. So for example, if you do A, then B, you know, if you pay this much money, you get as many shares in the company. So those material terms in a legal agreement typically only occupy maybe a page or two pages. But then you have these like 70 pages of terms and conditions basically saying, hey, what happens if you don't do this? What happens if you, you know, break your promise and do that? So, you know, that's inefficiency that you're seeing from a legal perspective. And from a more practical perspective, you may judge me for saying this, but I am a big believer in ARK Invest, Kathy Wood's team's thesis on Web3. So we think what Web3 is doing is removing the uncertainties, the opacity, and the toll takers out of the investing process. And, you know, a perfect example of that is if you look at what happened at Alameda Research or 3AC capital, right? What happens is that, you know, you have these middlemen that are completely exercising their centralized authority in deciding where capital is going. And sometimes capital went to places that they're not supposed to go. But we think that Web3 solves that problem, right? You're removing the toll takers, the uncertainties. What that looks like is no joke right now. If you start an investment DAO on Capital's protocol, and I'm sorry for turning this into a sales pitch, but it is what it is. If you were to start an investment DAO on Capital's protocol, you would not be able to move any 
fraction of the asset on the protocol in violation of the operating smart contract that the DAO participants have agreed into. So that's the world that we're seeing. You know, we're thinking that you know the printing press, the legal system, kind of gave birth to the formation of capital. You know, you had the rise of the East Dutch India Company, and then you know Berkshire Hathaway, you know Bridgewater, so have you. You know, if you're looking at the history of investing, right? But we think the next iteration of what the world should head into in, in terms of you know the financial sector is to adopt Web three blockchain smart contract as its central. I mean, I don't like the word central, but as the primary operating system for its you know, governance, capital allocation, and essentially the entire life cycle of an investment fund. Nice. Love it. That's really interesting. I'm curious, you know, in light of all of that, because that's, that's a lot of stuff. I'm curious, what do you think are the biggest parts that people have missed in the past when setting out to accomplish any of the constituent parts of what Capita is, whether the Dow formation and management piece or the investment syndicate creation and management piece? It sounds like these things are actually pretty intertwined. And so at least philosophically, and you've kind of maybe touched on what could be some answers to this already, but I'm curious, put more directly, like, how would you respond to that? Yeah. So again, like, I don't mean to offend anyone, but I think there's a lot of participants in the Web3 industry that are not exactly practicing what they're preaching. And a lot of them are merely speculators in the asset prices that we're seeing, you know, for example, NFT prices, you know, this token, that token, kind of people just speculating things. So you have some of the crypto funds that are just completely not really involved in building the next iteration of the internet or the next iteration of financial industry, but just in there for the quick, you know, volatility, the gain in asset prices. So I think that what they're missing is that, you know, Web3 is more of a fundamental technology shift to how the financial industry could be operating. So what I mean by that is, so you have a lot of investment DAOs, right? These investment DAOs, although they call themselves DAOs, but the capital allocation governance mechanism is very much centralized. You know, some of them, they use, like, you know, say, like, Gnosis Safe. It's, I mean, it's a multi-sig wallet. But at the end of the day, you have the select few individuals that can control where the money is headed to instead of using the fully you know decentralized consensus smart contracts to you know bring transparency accountability in governing the capital allocation so i think people are really missing out on i would say personally the core value prop of blockchain which is to build you know trust in trustless you know situations right so yeah i don't know if that made sense yeah, definitely. So let's go back to the beginning. I'm curious, what were some of the earliest challenges and how did your team solve for those challenges as you're building Capita? Yeah, absolutely. So I can probably talk all day in terms of challenges because at the end of the day, you're building a fintech company in a totally. recessionary environment, right? <laughs> we, we, so we actually closed our pre-seed just a year ago. Well, like a year and a month ago. And at the time, you, know, you began to see how you know the market was crashing, and I think like the Fed Reserve just started hiking rates at the time. So we essentially, when we started the company, the world was completely different, and we had to adjust to the new macro environment, right? So in 2021, you had Constitution Dow raising forty something million dollars in a span of 48 hours, right? So that was just unheard of prior to. 2022, 2021. But, you know, so the, I would say the main challenge that we face is that 
when you're in a bear cycle, and also when you when you hear things like you know 3AC, FTX, Alameda Research, people, the general public, they automatically tie Web3 or crypto or blockchain with scams or you know, you, you start hearing a lot of like bearish sentiments from the capital markets on Web3. So that was the biggest challenge. So what we had to do is like ask ourselves, at the end of the day, we as a company, we're set out to solve real life problems, right? doesn't matter if we're solving it with Web3, Web2, or even Web0. At the end of the day, we have to make things better by orders of magnitude for our customers. And at the end of the day, you know, if we don't do that, then there's no reason for us to exist. So we had to really, I would say, we, we took the whole YC approach, interviews, hundreds, if not thousands of, you know, prospective customers on, on kind of like trying to figure out what the pain points are in the investing world. And so, you know, I'm very proud of my team, my co-founders, Nick and Aaron, in terms of, you know, spending our time in uncovering the problems to a very detailed level and kind of using the first principles-based approach in building the product that we're launching. Love it. So similar question then here. You've you've kind of touched on it a bit, but surprises where things kind of going in an unexpected direction, whether with the company or whether, as you mentioned already, kind of in the macro environment. How did you and your team navigate some of the earliest surprises? Right. So I would say this, we're very fortunate to have a group of investors that are also multi-time founders on our cap table. So a gentleman, I don't know if you know his name, named Aruda. He was one of our early founding advisors. So he gave us really good advice. So in terms of, you know, trying to be default alive, you know, extending the cash runway as long as possible to give us more swings at bat, trying to figure out, you know, what the problem we're solving and who, who we're solving the problem for. Right. So, so I, I think it was kind of like, you know, we were very disciplined in terms of, you know, product development, hiring and, and spending money on, on things and even like building product features. You know, like we took the whole YC approach in terms of, you know, only building the core features that are necessary for our users and, you know, in the back end, we fling stone some of the features that user may think it's automated, but we actually, you know, use manual to update the data and things like that. So those are some of the strategies that we have used to navigate the whole change in the macro environment. Yeah, fascinating. So, okay, maybe a little more personal question here, where as you have, you know, been on this journey of building Capita and you know, with all the turbulence and changes over the past year, I'm curious what has gotten you or kept you excited about this work? I hear in some of your earlier comments that, you know, doing it for the right reasons, doing it to really help build up the space, these are all things that sound important to you. So I'm curious, just with the question put directly, like, what are you most excited about in building Capita? Or what's been most exciting along the journey? Right. So I've been reading a lot about the early internet companies, you know, in the Web 1, Web 2 eras. And from the stories I've been reading about these early internet companies, I see a lot of similarities or like, you know, like very similar sentiments that people had against, say, e-commerce in the 1990s and, you know, cloud computing in the 2000s. So I'm most excited about the, the contrarian view well, the first principle-based contrarian view that we have developed. So 
we felt that, you know, a lot of people don't even realize that, you know, certain inefficiencies that they're experiencing in investing, they kind of just ignore it. They don't think about it. So, you know, for example, the operating expenditures that you would see in terms of, you know, getting lawyers, some of the toll takers like lawyers, accountants involved in deploying capital, and also some of the liquidity premium that people are paying on the cost of capital. So people just don't think about these things. But being outsiders, we question everything. You know, just so you know, we have uncovered a lot of things. And we when we go talk to these customers and we say, hey, have you thought about you know the liquidity premium? You know, wouldn't it be nice if you can cut that off by you know generating some derivative-based smart contracts so that even though your asset investment horizon is like five years, but maybe if you can shorten that to two years and get liquidity in two years, wouldn't that be better for your LPs? So those are the things that we're most excited about is you know uncovering problems and talking to customers and getting you know sometimes positive, sometimes negative, but it's okay. As founders, we're trained to adopt to you know all sorts of things, but you know, just kind of like researching problems, coming up with solutions to address the problems. Those are the things that excite me the most. Love it. Yeah. So I'd love to zoom out and talk about the crypto and blockchain space more generally for a second. I think I'm I'm primarily curious, like, how do you see your work fitting into the broader trends we've heard a lot about in this podcast about kind of actually getting to the next inning in terms of the blockchain and crypto space? So actually delivering further on some of the promises of the crypto community? Yeah. So, I mean, this is a perfect question for the time being, right? Like First Republic just failed and, you know, it's in receivership or something and or it's like bought by JP Morgan or something, right? Like, and also you had Silicon Valley Bank. So all these banking crises that we're seeing right in front of our eyes, we think that, you know, this is a perfect argument in favor of why blockchain should be adopted. Uh, by the financial services industry, right? Number one is, I think, like, you know, transparency is super important. Number two is that, you know, smart contracts executing, you know, self-enforcing terms will provide, you know, the, the protections that would be reasonably expected by people who are entitled to those assets, right? So just an example I want to give you, I think it happened a year ago when Celsius fell under. So at that time, you know, Celsius took $400 million in loan from some DAOs, right? So this particular loan was in smart contracts. So when Celsius had its liquidity crisis, the smart contract self-executed. So I think MakerDAO was involved. MakerDAO didn't lose any money at all. But for those who lend money to Celsius via paper-based contracts, you know, they had essentially a lower seniority in the capital structure than someone who would have given that loan in a, via a smart contract. So I think like, even though there's a lot of like bearish sentiment on blockchain crypto in the current macro environment, but the more of these failures that I'm seeing, the more bullish I get about the technology in transforming the world into its next iteration. Love it. Yeah. So, okay, maybe two last questions here. First question, I'm curious, what would your most generalizable advice be for founders who are building in the crypto and blockchain space? Maybe anchoring around like, what would you tell yourself kind of now that you're into this journey? What would you tell yourself if you were back at the beginning as as someone who would want to know the lessons you have to impart? Absolutely. So this is the same advice that my team had received from our, our mentor, who's like a multi-time founder. 
I think at the end of the day, Web3 or not, you're solving a problem that people will be desperately, that, that people will be desperate to pay for, right? And, you know, so, but in Web3, you know, you see a lot of people asking the question, why does this need to be a Web3? What does that need to be a Web3? I think, you know, in the beginning, well, on the long term, I think, you know, Web3 is a fundamental technology shift that all things may one day transition into Web3. But in the short term, we have to be very strategic about, hey, is Web3 really the right solution to solve this particular problem at this particular time for this particular group of people, right? So I see Web3 is still at its infancy stage in terms of adoption. So, you know, we're going after the innovators. So referencing the book, you know, Crossing the Chasm, we're still targeting the innovators. So I think like the advice that we receive and also I want to give to other Web3 founders is that, you know, you, you got to be very cautious and strategic in terms of, you know, figuring out the real problem that you're solving. Okay, so Ben, what is your team working on right now? And what's the best way for people to follow along on the journey? Yeah, so we're actually in the past year, we have been, you know, grinding out in the hacker house to launch our MVP. I think it's a very exciting moment right now, because we're launching our first cohort of customers who are some of the investment syndicates here in Canada. So, you know, we're working with like top tier schools here in Canada, University of Toronto in launching a Web3 powered investment syndicate to fund the research and commercialization projects in U of T. And uh, also, you know, we're chatting with a lot of pipeline customers who are in the process of, you know, raising their investment DAOs. And, you know, we're doing a lot of like work in terms of helping them to streamline the process of getting their capital together and govern the, the capital allocation. So very exciting stuff. In terms of getting in touch, uh, the best way is to, you know, maybe reach out to me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at bensu.eth. So that's B-E-N-S-U dot E-T-H. And also you can visit our website at percapta.io. Perfect. Ben, thank you so much for the time. This is really awesome. I'm excited to keep following along and I appreciate your time coming on the show. So have a great rest of your week here and take care. Thank you so much. I had fun. All right. Bye-bye.